this uh, this show is is dedicated, as you can see, to uh, it's tonight. It's your side, as she was said of Rabbi Yonatan Sachs. I don't suppose many of you uh, know much about him. Uh, what what is unique about Rabbi Sachs? What is unique about Rabbi Sachs is the fact that he, uh, as opposed to many great scholars of this century and other centuries, uh, he was he was a scholar who reached the non-Jewish world and was respected by the non-Jewish world, which is very unique. We have Yudolin, who the non-Jewish world has been aware of, but not someone who has preached religion to the non-Jewish world in the, in the way that Rabbi Sachs is to have a column in the Times of London is, is, is not stunned. It's, it's quite an achievement and uh, very unique. His writings are, are not just Jewish books, although they are Jewish books, but uh, they, they are books that, that are read uh, universally uh, in all different countries by all different peoples. Uh, and that is, in today's, in today's climate, there should be some. Are there sheets? This table haven't got any sheets, and neither has this table. So there should be piles of them. There are. Okay, thank you. Um, which is quite an incredible achievement. Uh, he was a very. Uh, the, the third and fourth table don't have. The. Um, so I, I want to celebrate the life of Rabbi Sachs by sharing a Torah of his with you, which I, I think fell in my lap there. Very personal, very, very relevant to, to things we were speaking about here on Sunday, and uh, I think very, very important. On the parsha of Chayisara, the parsha of Chayisara is is quite a short parsha, and the majority of the parsha is really about the meeting of uh, Yitzchak and Rivka, uh, the shidduch that took place there, and the parsha begins, of course, with Abraham Avinu trying to uh, acquire land to bury Sarah, which makes his parasha the parasha of Hebron, because Abraham Avinu bought Marat HaMachbelah. There are, in fact, three places, to the best of my knowledge, in Tanakh, where it's written black on white that we brought, we actually bought the properties. Hebron in this week's parasha. Shechem was possessed by Yaakov Avinu Becharvi Uvekashti and Yerushalayim was possessed by David HaMelech towards the end of Shmuel Bet. It's very interesting and, and shouldn't be ignored that these are probably the three most contested parts of Israel in real politics. Three places that we actually bought, not from this, we bought with our own money, Shechem, Yerushalayim, and Hebron are, are three of the most contested areas that we have to fight for, and possibly because our enemies are sometimes more aware than we are, how important the roots of a tree are. And if you cut, you get rid of the root, you will destroy the tree. And these three places of Hebron, Yerushalayim, and Shechem are the fundamentals of the Jewish people. When you take them away, the Jewish people has a problem breathing. And it could be that that's why they are contested. Not my subject today. 
my subject is, 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 is quite a, an extraordinary subject, Rabbi Sachs' choice, uh, and not a subject that would come to mind. It's very homiletical, very Pashtun. You know, it's Pshat. Uh, it's more Darshani than it is Pshat. So have a look. And, and there is a, another essay in Shemot, which runs on a similar theme, but only towards the end of the essay. So I'm not going to do the whole of the second essay. So, Avram, I'm following this through. I think there's, there's something that's very, very important here for us. Who I have been had Avram is 137 years old when we start the parasha. Who chabash neimo oraot traumatiim shekaru anashim hayekarim lo biyoter. He has just uh, been through two of the most traumatic experiences that happened to him or to people very close to him. Harishon irab The first one happened with his son Yitzchak. Shehu chikarov yemechayav He waited most of his life for Yitzchak's birth. Who was They had given up hope. He and his wife had ever had a child. Achashem sitelem shiyonitu ben. God told them that they would have a child. Shiyamshichet habrit hakruta lahemito who would carry on this covenant that God had made with them. Hashanim Abru, the years passed. Sarah Loharatah, Sarah did not, she didn't get pregnant. He Zakna, she, she got old. Vashem Osif Lavtiach, she's in Ukraine. God continued to promise that they would have a child. The soft step by, in the end it happened, right? Yitzhak was born. Last week's parasha, Perek Kafalov, Hashem Pakalit Sarah, Haherayona Yelet Haoshen, she got pregnant, he was born, and there was happiness, right? His promise had been fulfilled that this child was born to their family. Sarah Amras Chok Asani Elohim, Yishubikal, it's called Hashomea Yitzhakli. God has, has made me so happy. Everyone who hears of this news will, will laugh for me. Out of the blue, there is this incredible digression for a second. There is this incredible midrash. Amarabi Levi, Rabbi Levi says, twice God said to Abraham, Lech Lecha. Once he said, Lech Lecha, Me'altzacha, Umimolatzcha, Mibetamicha. Once he told him to leave home, to go, to go home, to, to go away. And the other time he said, Lech Lecha Eleris HaMoriah, go to Har HaMoriah, Shech Kisar. And Rebbe Levi in the Midrash says, which Lech Lecha is harder? Astonishing question, right? What is harder, to come and live in Israel or to kill your son? Or you would call it a, a no-brainer, I believe. It is, it's a very easy question, you would think. Lech Lecha Eleris HaMoriah, the Akeda is the harder of the test. And the Tivot Shalom, we're trying to explain this Midrash, the Tivot Shalom says, That's the, don't take the Midrash as Pshat. He says, we, there, there are two different kinds of challenges we face in our lives. There are day-to-day -day challenges that we face. Every day, accumulative challenges, and each day gets harder, because it's another day, and it's another challenge, it's another day, and it's another challenge. And then there's a test like the arcade, which comes out of nowhere. It just comes out of nowhere. You just are told one day, go check your son. You just hear bad news out of the blue. You're happily walking. I did a wedding last night of a, a wonderful time done. And it's a very special wedding. So it's coming up from South Africa. 
Why is it so, she asked me to speak at the wedding. Why was it so special? I can't remember how long, five, six years ago, she was in Shonabet, she'd just come back from a, a session in Ulpan. She was smiling, and I called her back early. I had to speak to her. She walked into my room. I had to tell her that her mother had died. She was sitting opposite me, smiling, and I had to break the news. Uh, her mother didn't wake up. I had to tell her that her mother had died. And for me, speaking at her wedding yesterday, I, I was able to say to her, you know, I, I was with you at the worst moment of your life. I gave you the worst moment of your life. I had to tell you. There is nothing more painful than watching a smiling face just collapse in front of you. And then last night I was able to speak to her at her wedding at the happiest day of her life so far. It's kind of a closure. So you have tests that happen every day, right? It's another day, it's another day, it's another hard day, it's another shoe I didn't understand, something else that I'm stuck on, another problem, and it's accumulative. And then you have a different test, and okay, they come out of nowhere, nowhere. You're just happily living your life, and then... That's the question since Rabbi Lehman's being asked. What is the harder test? The, the accumulative test, the ongoing, the one that grinds away at you on, on a daily basis, or the one that comes out of nowhere? That, that's a different question, right? It's not about the Akeda and Lechlecha, it's about different types of challenges that we all face in our lives at different times. And, and back out of the digression, after, after Abraham has, has had his son, he's waited so long. And again, we run through this very, very quickly. I don't need to tell you, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Uh, we don't realize it when we're young. We always assume that, that you know, we'll get married and we'll have children. We don't know the statistics, right? That one in three, one in three women has a problem with fertility. Not one in three women can't have children, which has a problem with fertility. And there are people who, who have this problem for many, many years and they're prepared to lie down on a bed for nine months just to have a baby. So imagine that waiting a hundred years for a baby and then being told to kill it. Every month when, when the woman discovers she's not pregnant, the tragedy, the pain, and then when the child actually comes being told to kill the child, Abraham doesn't complain, doesn't cry, doesn't pull it off, he just does it. They went together, Abraham and his son. And the last minute, God says, stop. But Abraham didn't know he was going to say that. That's a trauma, right? You walk away from that, that's traumatic. It's not about that he didn't get killed. That, that's not the point. The point is those three days and, the, and, the, and the, the whole experience. How does Abraham and Yitzhak, how do they get through that? And if that's not bad enough, Abraham comes back home and Sarah's dead. I was, I was talking to, I was giving this shit the other day, and I, it reminded me, you know, we, we had a prime minister in Israel, a, a very wonderful man, Menachem Begin, one of my heroes. He's buried on Harat Eitim. You know what's written on his grave? Menachem Begin. That's all. Not Prime Minister of Israel, not Head of the Mountain, just Menachem Begin. And he was besotted with his wife, Eliza, totally. 
One of my favorite photographs when he was Prime Minister, he was on a flight to America and he went on his knees to put his wife's shoe on her foot and someone took a picture, David Rubinger took a picture of it. It's, most, it's not beautiful, but it's, uh, it's just a wonderful reflection of a husband and wife. Why did I remember Menachem Begin, the Havdil? Because he, had, he was Prime Minister, he was called to go to America, he had to go to a meeting in America, his wife wasn't feeling well. And she said to him, he has to go. And he went. And she died while he was away. And he never really functioned after he, he couldn't function without his wife. So Abraham comes back from the Akedah, Thank God, it's, it's over. And now it's to bury his wife. Another smack in the face. After the trauma of the arcade, everything that went through, and, and it did finish off okay, but we don't always feel good after things finish off okay, right? We, we, we still like catching up on them. Nate Sarah, she's dead. Ishtoha Ahuga Shilabram, the beloved wife of Abraham. He had been with him everywhere. They, they left together, they, they, they toured, they did what God said together. And she left her whole world behind. Twice she saved Abram's life by, by saying she was his sister. So what does a, a, a person, this is a question Rabbi Sachs is asking here, what does a person who is 137 years old, that the Torah describes as Zakein Babi Amin, old and coming in days, what does he do? How is the person meant to keep going after such a trauma and, and such a loss? Had the Torah described Abraham as, as sitting in his chair, sad and crying for his last days, that would have made sense. So much of this is pertinent to, to my mother died about 18 months ago. If my dad isn't coming to us for Shabbos, so I go to see my father in the Tanya. And we sit and we talk. We talk for an hour and a half, and we never ever talk for an hour and a half without my dad telling me how much he loves and misses my mother and how life isn't life without my mother. Never. Never. Just always. At least once, sometimes twice, sometimes three times, how much he misses her. Uh, that's what you really expect. Someone spent 50 years together, they spent longer together. No, you know, we won't be surprised if Aram sits down. Okay, I've done my bit, right? I, I did the Akeda, I've buried my wife. I've had enough. You know, I'm, gonna, I'm, 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 I'm a patriarch in pension. Enough, so I can carry on. We've done everything that God ever asked of him. It's hard to say that he got everything that God promised. God promised Abraham a lot of things for the future. He didn't promise him things for here and now. He was promised the land of Israel seven times. 
אך כששרה מתה לא היו לו לאברהם בכל הארץ אפילו ארבע מאות כדי לקורא בו את שר הדרסי מהסתפי. השם הבטיח לו זרע רב ככוכבי השוואה גודל פרומיסים וככל אשר ארצות היום גוי גדול, ביג ניישן, המון גויים, אך רק בן אחד נולד לו כממשיך הבדיוני, אז וואן סאן, סופר, יצחק, שכמעט נשרר, יצחק שבגיל 37 עוד לא מצא לו אישה לאברהם היו כל הסיבות שבעולם לשבת ולרחם על עצמו. אברהם היה כל הסיבות ואחד הרצפים המילואיים המופלאים ביותר בתורה בטוח אבינו של אברהם בחמש מילים. אברהם's moments of אבינות are mentioned in five words. ויבוא אברהם לספור לשרה ולבכותה. He came to eulogize Sarah and to cry. And that's it. That's it. And after that, מיד אחריהם באות המילים ויעקב אברהם מיד פני חטא ביתו. Straight after that. אברהם gets up and gets on with it. By the way, it's a wife who doesn't wear stockings and it's a wife who, who doesn't have a white tablecloth. These are not the criteria of our patriarchs. They're not looking for the best shaitel. And the one who speaks Yiddish. They're looking for a woman who does chesed, that's all. That is the criteria of the shiluk. Not thick stockings. that someone who does chesed, a real person. That's the only criteria we have in all of the Torah for any shidduch. You should be a good person. A good, kind person. That's all that Eliezer looks for. He doesn't ask her to say to him, he doesn't say, tell me, give, give it to our Torah on the Pausha. Then what's the bracha on, uh, on an ice cream where there's, there's, there's mezonos on the bottom and shakol on the top? Nothing, no one question. How do you sort the meat? Nothing. Do you keep six hours or three hours? Nothing. Are you a good person? He doesn't ask her, he watches. But he still doesn't have a shit. שתי מטרות אלו נוגעות בדיוק לשתי הברכות שקיבל מהשם הארץ והזירה. He got these two ברכות, and now he's going out after the trauma, after the morning, to realize these dreams. He needs to realize his dreams. 
to take the land for his wife and to have a child and have that child continue, right? That child has to marry. This is his theme. How does Abraham overcome the trauma and the and the mourning? How can a person get over almost losing his son? And how does a person, even more serious, get over losing his partner in life? It's a big deal. When you first meet someone, you're at the beginning. Like the, don't believe Disney on a number of counts. Don't believe in that animals can talk because they can't. Bilam's acid, but that's all. Don't believe. Don't believe that Winnie the Pooh is nice because he'll kill you because that's what bears do. And something else you shouldn't believe when you see pictures of a chuppah and it says that they lived happily ever after. It's a load of shtuyot. You don't live happily ever after under a chuppah. Fifty years later, they live happily ever after. It takes fifty years to live happily ever after. Your grandparents live happily ever after. Not the, not the chuppah. You don't even know who you married. You think you know. You think you know Josh, Jared, and Keith. You've got no idea. Not only do you not know who they are, you don't even know who you are. You start discovering who you are when, you, when, you're, when you're married to Joel, Keith, and Jared, and Bruce, not to forget Bruce. But you're not happy ever after then, it's after 50 years. But after 50 years, when you're like, what, they're not begging? His wife died, he died. His wife died, he died. It's as simple as that. He lived physically for two more years, he died. What a... What a... What a it's beautiful. I'm sure you've seen this in your grandparents, that they cannot live without each other. They have succeeded over five, six, sometimes seven decades to unite themselves to such a degree that they literally cannot live without each other. That is the climax of marriage. Not the first night. Not the chuppah. That's just a, a statement of intent. 50, 60, 70 years, that's mashuachem. You've been zochet to see this. I remember when my, my, it's a long time ago already, when my, my, my wife's grandfather, he was a rabbi in Detroit, and he, uh, he had a stroke, so he was bedridden. And then his wife got leukemia, which is too old to treat. And my father-in-law always told this story that, that they, they brought her in on a wheelchair to say goodbye to him. I can't remember which one passed away first. And my father-in-law described that they just held hands for about an hour, looking at each other. And that was it. They're one, it's one. That's the aim, right? That's the objective. That's what it's about. So he's just lost, he's not just the arcade, he's just lost that shootout, he's just lost this, this, this partner that he has. Wow. But he's still going. But he gets up, he just gets up and keeps going. What gave Abraham the, uh, the determination to carry on? That's the question Rabbi Sachs is asking. I don't think anyone else will ask this question on Chai Sarah. You have to search for the question. It's not a question that screams out. He's created the question. Post Akeda, post post Avelut. 
how do you keep going? How does a person get up when they've been knocked down? Ladies, this is something we, we would experience and have many of us already experienced many times in our lives. It's really the story of our lives. It's, it's how, we, how we react to being knocked down. It's not how we react to success. That's a test in its own right. We discussed that with lot and money. But the, the hardest thing is, is, is how do you pick yourself up? The answer is not, surprisingly, to sit and moan to your mashikah for a year. Mashikah is there to help you, but if, if you don't pick yourself up, you're doomed. You're doomed. So he writes as follows, Rabbi Sand. I've taken a bit out, okay, but I can tell you what I've taken out as well. You can look it up. This is, this is also in English, right? The original was in English because he wrote in English. The people I learned the lesson from, says Rabbi Sachs, were, were my teachers. They were my teachers in this area. And who were they? Nitzolei Shoah. They were the survivors of the Holocaust. That I was able to, I had the, the honor to meet these survivors. I've often seen this on the face of students years ago really, because now most students would take to Poland, they, they're talking about their great-grandparents, not their grandparents, their grandparents were really young uh, at the time of the war, and they, they, if they are survivors, they don't remember an enormous amount, but I still remember 20 years ago, when we went to students who, whose grandparents were survivors, and uh, if you walk into Auschwitz-Birkenau, you take a left, you go to the women's camps, and we went, we've been to bunkers, where students' grandmas were in. And I've seen the face of students understanding who their bubby was. When they see a bunker, you know, one of those places they slept on, and one of the girls asked, well, how many slept on, on each? So you asked, how many girls slept on each bunker? Room for three. Twelve. 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 Head on foot, head on foot, head on foot. When one turned left, everyone turned left. When one turned right, everyone turned right. Twelve. Thirty-six on three tiers. And you don't want to be on the lower tiers, right? Because people can't get up from the toilet, so everything falls on top of you. And then you realize your bubby who made you luckers and, uh, and told you stories and bought you presents, she was one of the twelve. And she was on the lower tier. And she came with a different husband and with different children. Not, not because they A different husband, different children. They were killed. And she came out of them. And she married again, she had different children, and she still smiles and still makes you like this. And you go, who the hell is my bubby? What kind of woman am I looking for? What kind of heroine am I experiencing? Someone who, who, who lost everything and came out and started again. I've seen the face of girls, they, they, they never knew that was the bubby. This is just a cuddly bubby, right? Who sings some songs and makes some lacquers and buys some presents and yeah. No, she stood. She stood in the snow for 12 hours a day with, with, with a pair of pajamas and clothes. That's your puppy. You can't tell now, right? She's just cuddly. She's just a lovely lady, and she never. You can't tell a word. So he said, "Hey, Pahidi, hey, mum, she can carry on. How these people carry on? These people come back to life. Imazi chronot tamarol, tamarol. How did they come back? How did they do that? 
אנו יודעים שחיילים בריטים ואמריקאים ששחררו את מחנות השמונה לא שכחו ללמד את מה שראו. We know that the British and American forces that liberated, the American forces liberated Buchenwald, the British forces liberated Bergen-Belsen, we know that they lived in trauma for the rest of their lives just on what they saw when they liberated. Just on what they saw, you know, Bergen-Belsen was, was quite a young camp, it was developed in 1943. It was really a, a transfer camp where they They bought Jews who were going to swap for Germans. And, um, but at the end of the war, when they were marching all the Jews in from the east, they marched 50,000 Jews into Bergen-Belsen. They didn't give them a, a, a crumb to eat. And so people just died. Hundreds every day. That's where Anna Frank died. And Buchenwald, and piles of, of dead people. And the American English soldiers who liberated these camps, they have traumas for the rest of their lives. לדברי ניאו פרקסון, הוא קורא את הסולג'ר, בביוגרפיה החדשה שכתב לו על הנרי קיסינג'ר. אתם יודעים את הנרי קיסינג'ר, נכון? אמריקאים, אתם יודעים את הנרי קיסינג'ר. הנרי קיסינג'ר היה פורום... מה הם קוראים his life was changed when he liberated these camps. Changed his life. Hamareshen Iglela Einam Kishinichraskat Chayal Amerikanin Lemachane Rikush Inat Chayal changed his life. Ve'im kach karan anashim shirak ra'u machane rikush b'yom shifat. If this was the reaction of people who liberated, what about people who lived there and died there? The people who saw their whole family. Now the Kloisenberger Rebbe walked into Auschwitz-Birkenau with 11 children and a wife. He left Auschwitz on his own. Eleven children and a wife. And he swore to God that if he were to survive, he would build a hospital in Israel. That is the Laniado Hospital in the Tani, where the Sands Hasidim is right by the Sands Hasidim. Where is it? Auschwitz had eleven children and a wife. He didn't come out with anyone. And he remarried. How did you do that? Eleven lives, eleven worlds, and your wife. ועדיין מסוייתים לאין שיעור הם חיי מי שהיה עשה במחנה וחווה את האימה והייסורים. So you live through this? How do you live another day? ובכל זאת שהכרתי להחזיר בחיים בעקשנות שאין כמוה. These people, they, they just lived on. You heard of Eli Wiesel, right? Boston people, you heard of Eli Wiesel, right? Eli Wiesel had a trust, a charitable trust for Holocaust. purposes. He invested that trust in Madoff. You heard of Madoff? Madoff was a, a Jewish swindler and sitting in jail. He, he lost a lot of people's money. He lost all of Elie Wiesel's trust money. It all went with Madoff. They interviewed Elie Wiesel on the radio and they asked Elie Wiesel You must be absolutely gutted. To which Elie Wiesel answered on the radio, I saw my mother and sister walk into a gas chamber. Do you really think that this bothers me? Do you really think so? He's been standing in night, right? He sees it in night. He, he describes waving goodbye to his mother, not realizing he would ever see her again, as she walks towards the crematorium. So I asked them, Rabbi Stag says, I wanted to know. 
So where did you get the strength from? Turn over the page. I will finish at 7 8, however long it takes me. Le Besoft Giliti, at the end, I, I discovered how these people survived. Robert Hashim Lodi they never spoke about the past. They never spoke about the past. Afilu lo in they didn't even speak to each other about the past. Afilu lo in they never spoke to their children. I was listening to a radio show on, on Yom HaShoah last year. They were interviewing the children of Svia Lubetkin and uh, Itzik Sukerman. Svia Lubetkin, Itzik Sukerman is known as Antik. They were, they were two of the highest ranking Jews in the Warsaw Revolt. Antik uh, and his wife, Svia Lubetkin, they married after the war. She got out through the sewers. He was on the other side of the ghetto, smuggling guns. And they interviewed their children. I almost crashed the car. The truth is that we never spoke to our parents about the Shoah. I thought, my God, your parents are like heroes. They know everything about the Warsaw Ghetto, and everything about the Warsaw Ghetto involved. They were there to the end, and they survived, and you never spoke to them about it? Never spoke to them. Their parents never spoke to them. They came to Israel, and now we've got a kibbutz. Kibbutz, we're going to build a kibbutz. They left the past behind, and they just went forward. Mother, have a hello. It's been, it's been. We have to move forward. They, they learn a new language. They learn new customs. They found work. They got a new career. They got married again and they had more children. The people who lost their families. They became a family. They looked forward. They only looked forward. They didn't look back. They built a future. Right? After 40 or 50 years, they allowed themselves to contemplate the past. They started writing books. They started giving testimony. Only then they told us, well, some people never told the story. There are people here, you'll speak to your parents before Poland, and, and, and we parents who say, we never spoke about it. They, they didn't want to speak. We never spoke. I've got no idea. I've got no idea where they were, what they did. I've got no idea. They never spoke about it. If anything, they spoke about the village, the shtetl beforehand, but, but they never spoke about the camps, what they went through. This is the rule. This is what we want to speak about. When calamity falls, you don't look back. First of all, you look forward. You pick yourself up and you move forward. And then afterwards, you've got time afterwards, in the distant future, to think about the past. So there were two people. There were two people who made the mistake of looking back in the Torah. One was Noah. We don't ever think about it in these terms, right? And, and, unless one of the teachers brings it up in, uh, in Parashanut. Noah was very busy building an ark and getting people into the ark and saving the animals and feeding the animals and looking after his children. He didn't much pay attention to what was going on outside. He was inside the ark. The Mabul came down, devastation, people were killed, but, but Noah never saw much of that. He, he was inside the ark with life. He was, he was living, he was continuing. 
And then one day God says the same thing I'm God. Get out of the ark. And Rashi says that it's written in it with a crooked tip. If you won't come out of the ark, I'll push you out of the ark. What's that mean? Who says he wants to leave the ark? What is waiting for Noah outside the ark? The remnants of a world he knew and loved. He was a tzaddik, but he's still alive, the world. No one was outside. No one, nothing. It's him, Shem Ham and Yaffe, his wife, and that's it. That's what's left. And maybe if they had twin sisters, whatever, but there's ten people in the world. He left the world with thousands of people, not millions, thousands of people. He came out to devastation. And it would appear that he couldn't handle it. So he planted a vineyard, made wine, and got drunk. All he, all he could see was what was. He couldn't see what was. Noah, who begins the parsha as Ish Tadik, ends the parsha as Ish Ha'adama. He starts off on the highest of levels, and by the end, just to. Rush is the opposite. Rush begins as Ish Ha'adama and ends up as Ish Tadik. He couldn't deal with it. He couldn't deal with the devastation. He, he couldn't deal with the catastrophe, there was no world. He came in and went, how do you, how do you rebuild? You can't, everything's destroyed. What do you have to do? You know that after the war, one of these sukkahs that people don't know so much about is that, is that Jewish boys and girls were handed over to non-Jewish families. So if they were very uh, zealous Christian families, they baptized them, they gave them new names, and then they denied that they were Jewish, right? There were a group of Jews after the war. You know this, right? You know Shweki Shmeisel, right? You know that song, Shmeisel. Right? So you know that song. Shmeisel, you know that song, right? That's a true story. Rabbi Kahanaman, the Rosh Hashim of Ponovich, whose heart was broken for his whole life, because he went to America from Ponovich, in Ponovich, Eastern Europe. He went to America a few days before the war broke out. The war broke out and he got stuck in America. All of his Talmudim were killed. And he was broken hearted that he wasn't with his Tamil. Rabbi Kahanan and Chief Rabbi Herzog, the current president's grandfather, went to Poland to look for Jews. They didn't just have to find the Jews from uh, get them out of Catholic hands. They had to convince these three-year-olds to leave the only people they knew as their parents. Someone takes you as a one-year-old or two-year-old and puts you in the hands of poles. When you're five or six, you don't even remember who your parents are. And they had to convince the, They didn't only have to convince the Catholics to let them go, which was a hard enough thing. They had to convince the children to leave. How did they convince the children to leave? It's all we're building a new people. We need you. There's nothing left. There's nothing left. We need you. I'll show you a film, a true story. But the kid doesn't want to leave. He doesn't want to leave the Polish family. And they, they say, listen, we're building up Israel. You make the decision, but we need you. We've got to build this up again. There's nothing left. And the mother's friends tell you, forget it. How they identify the kids? Because the only thing the kids remember was Shema Israel. That's true. It's a true story. The song is true. It brings tears. Every time I hear it, it brings tears to my eyes. 
It's a true story. You know, when Rav Herzog went to meet the Pope of Rome, an evil man, not the current Pope, the Pope at the time of the war, an evil man, evil man, helped Nazis get out of Europe. He helped Nazis get out of Europe. After Rabbi Herzog finished his meeting with the Pope, the words he said to his driver was, you get me to a mikvah as soon as you can. I have never ever met such impurity in my life. It wasn't an extreme you have, to, you have to stop again. Now who's the second person who looked back? It's Lot's wife. It's Lot's wife. They don't look back. It's over. It's finished. Everything that was there is over. Without the drugs, without saying you don't deserve to be saved and you have no right to look back. Just don't look back. It's finished. It's passed. It's destroyed. You've got to look forward. And even though we take the text literally, she looks back and she turns into a pillar of salt there, there's plenty to do there on Drash, right? Because the Dead Sea is Dead Sea because it's full of salt, because it kills everything in it, because there's too much salt, it's there. She turns into a pillar of salt because Avera and Avara, have you ever noticed the connection between the two? That the word Avera to transgress comes from the root Avara, to look back. To look back is to transgress. There's no point. Whatever has been has been. We gain nothing by looking back. We gain nothing at all. These are the two people that look back and they're, they're classic examples that are telling us, don't look back, you have to look forward. You have to look forward. You have no choice. If you ever have the, the chance to read a book out of the whirlwind, which was one of these beautiful English books that they made from the Torah of Rav Soloveitchik, where Rav Soloveitchik takes the idea of Aveilut and shows you how the Aminut, the Shiva and the Shloshim is all about bringing a person back into society. That the minute the body is in the ground, we are trying to rehabilitate. We spend seven days at home where society comes to you. And then we have Shloshim where you go to society but with limitations. Then you have a year and the limitations are reduced. But the whole aim is rehabilitation. The whole, aim, the whole aim has to be that the person is buried, they're in a better place, and you have to move forward. You have to, it's rehabilitation, you have to move forward, you have no choice. Madhahama is water under the bridge, it's spilled milk, it's done. And the people who look back are transgressing. Noah, he finishes in a bad way. Lot's wife, she turns round, don't look back. And she looks back. I don't have to read these. So next paragraph after that. Abraham Shemaita Adid Korel. Abraham hears the future. He looks to the future. Sarak Vameta. Sarah's already dead. Yitzchak Adai Lo Yitzchatein. Yitzchak's not married. Abraham Lo Hayalo. Lo Karakavala Nechadim. He doesn't have land and he doesn't have grandchildren. Who loves the Akel Lokim Bekasvim? He doesn't sit on the floor and cry and moan and write a rude letter and threaten to sue you. He doesn't do that. He just gets up and does something. You find that all the time, right? Luckily, right? I, I work with people that work like that. You know, you're hit by stuff. And, and, and what are you meant to do? I felt like this throughout the first stages of Corona and till, till this day. Every time you hear a rumor, we've heard it two days before you, and we're waiting for clarification. And every time, it, at the beginning, it's just a snag. You know, you're trying to get girls here. No, you don't. 
and then you just you just keep going and you keep going and, and it happens. Only because you keep going, because it's on the floor and crying, nothing's gonna happen. You spend your life crying about how bad it is for you and how hard it is for you, you will do nothing and achieve nothing. You have to get up. No one can get you up. No one can pull you up. You have to get up. He hears God telling him, The future depends on you. And make it, make it a, a little bit relevant for us here and now. You know, sometimes I, I, I have harsh words with students. And, and students, like, it's very nice. They think I, you know, I'm just one of their friends. So they think I have harsh words with them. I'm really angry with them and I'm boyhood and I, I hate them. That's their words, not mine. And, um, and they walk around, and every time they see me, they lower their heads and they look the other way. And, and uh, every so often I go up to the student, I say, you know, it's finished. I told you often, it's finished. I'm somewhere else, I've forgotten about you. It's just done. You're still here, I'm still here, we're moving forward, it's over. I just moved forward, forget. You know, I forgot about it, I had to tell you something, I told you something, I, I said my point, you heard my point, I'm finished, now move. Move, it's over, I'm still your friend. I'm a true friend, I told you, I'm a true friend because I, because I, because I, I tell you when you do things wrong. I don't pretend that everything you do is right. That's what a true friend is. It's finished, you move forward. That's a high bar, oh no, he's coming, he doesn't mind. I'm finished, I'm not everyone, I've got a point. Really, those girls are too tired to hate. I hate Adolf Hitler, I hate Tyree Hitler and Herman Boyle. My hate is reserved for them and them alone. I don't hate students. Right? I, I can, have a, I can have an argument with you, I have a, I have a control system, and now move on, move on, move forward. Move forward, all this stuff, something that happened a week ago, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, move forward. You have to move forward. That's to hide and, what's he thinking? I'm not thinking anything, they're too tired to think anything. Just move forward. I think God comes into our life with a call to the future. With a call to the future. From the end of time, he's waving to us. Just move, move forward. You've got no choice. You've got to move and you can't turn the clock. If we could turn, if only we could turn the clock back. But we can't turn the clock back. We cannot. There's so many things I would do differently in my life. So many things I would wish differently in the history of our people. But we can't. So we have to deal with the reality that we have here and now and move, move forward. We must just go on a journey that somehow We were born to fulfill. There is, there is something we were all born to fulfill. We don't even know what it is. We have to just keep moving and it will become apparent at some stage. We're not here by coincidence. We're here because God wants us to be there. And because we, every single person in this room, has something that they are meant to fulfill. Every single person. Every single person has something that they are here to fulfill. It might not be apparent. That doesn't mean it isn't there. And if we fail, so we fail. How do we adapt that statement of Tennyson's? What did Tennyson say? Better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. So we say, better to have tried and failed than to have never tried at all. You just have to keep trying, keep trying, keep going. You go down, you get up. You go down, you get up. 
Not Canada, Lord my, it's not hard, it's not easy to work out what we're meant to be doing here. Sometimes after tens of years we suddenly discover what we're meant to be doing. With many mistaken beginnings. What did Rabbi Leibler say? Rabbi Leibler Eger, the grandson of Rabbi Akiva Eger, became a chassid, became the chaber, tamid chacher of Reb Tzadok, the coin, right? In, in Lublin, they're buried together. 200 meters from the yeshiva, you don't know where it is, it's a little house, they're buried together there, it's always not, but I, I've been in there, looking from the window. Reb Leibler Eger said, God creates beginnings. That's our salvation. That God creates beginnings. Before you start again, you have to have the courage to get up. Before you start again. Every single one of them, God is calling to every single one of us to do something. God doesn't make mistakes, David. There's no one in this room is a mistake. Every single person in this room has something to fulfill. I can tell you, I can help you. I can reduce, remove two things from the list. You don't, you weren't born to be the champion of Temple Plump or Candy Trump. So those two get off your list. You weren't created for those. There was something much greater that you were created for. Forget the high school. You weren't even created to be the first one outside Hadaya on any given morning of the week. Something even greater than that. Atichi Adayno Notsaki Mechakeshi Nitsorotok It's a future that has not been created. It is waiting for us to create it. Do you remember when I told you, Rosh Hashanah? I told you God only writes in the book if you don't write it yourself. He only writes in the book if you don't write it yourself. A lot of the anger, the hate, the grievance in this world has been created by people who only live in the past. Cannot forgive, cannot forget. Kamoisha Lot, like Lot's wife, Ainam Sugalim Lalehet Hala, they cannot move forward. The Sipurimi Asugazet ain't soft talk. It's never a good ending. People just don't let go. How does Jeremy say to me, Shachre, let it go, let it go, just let it go. Shachre, let it go, move on. Like odd my odd just more crying, I can't believe it, I can't believe it, I can't believe it. Darkoshir Abraham Pasha Khai Sarah, but Abraham's way in Khai Sarah tells us the other Bama Ita Atid build the future. I want to go over the page, ladies. Because as I read this, as I said it fell in my lap. So I wanted to celebrate Rabbi Sachs. And uh, I was also, last week when I prepared the Shia Thursday, Friday, I was also in the middle of trying to deal with things that happened and move forward. And then, and then it reminded me of another Pesukim in Torah. In Tanakh. First inspiration. I never, I mean, it's totally homiletical, okay? It's not shut. Sermonic. Darshani. But it, it's such a beautiful thing, my Rebbe Rabbi Bersi once taught us 
וידע אדם עוד את אשתו ותן את בן ותקרא את שמו שייט, תשעת לי אלוקים זרע אחר. It's not pshat, it's a long time in between, but I already once said, a man wakes up in the morning, one of his sons is dead, and the other son is a murderer. Cain killed Abel. So Abel's dead and Cain's a murderer. So what does Abel do? He has another son. What's he meant to do? Sit on the floor and cry, he has another son. What's he meant to do? Then I want to show you, probably, for me, one of two fundamental pieces of Tanakh. You've learned about David and Bathsheba, Yishmuel, Ned, Yudalev. And when David uh, is discovered, he's told he's going to be punished. Bad stuff is going to happen to you. This is what the Navi says to David. Listen to this very, very carefully. Things are going to happen in your family. Why? You did something in private. You did something secretly. I'm going to pay you back publicly. David says to Natan and I have sinned. God will you will be forgiven for your sin because you are truly sorry. But then Natan says to him the following terrible sentence. But the child that you conceived through sin, if Bathsheba, will die. That child will die. And the baby gets very, very sick. This was the baby conceived through sin. David to God for the son. He prays to save him, save this boy. He had he fasted. And he lay on the floor, fasting and crying and praying. And the people in the household are trying to get him up. Get up off the floor, give him food, and nothing will help. He slumped on the floor, praying, fasting. on the seventh day, the Amot the baby dies. Vayu He didn't want to tell him. They didn't want to tell him the kid had died. Ki amu he let the kid was alive, we spoke to him, and he wouldn't listen to us. They ignore my love, 
they understand the king must have died. By Yomi David el Abadav, so David says to his servants, Hameta, yeah, is the kid dead? By Yomi David, he says, yes, yes, maybe died. Astonishing, David's reaction. Meyakum David Meharez, then gets off the floor, Vayurchaz, he washes himself, Meyachrech, Meyachrech, he changes his clothes, and he comes to the house of God and he bows down to God. And he comes to the house and he says, Can I have some food? And we give him food. And then he turns to David and says, We don't understand. We're trying to, we're trying to digest what just went on here. What's going on? When the boy was alive, sometimes you fasted for teeth. Time 
that it is uh, legitimate to look back is if you're looking forward. If you're using what you see there to look forward, then it's totally legitimate to look back. That's why Rosh Hashanah, you have Rosh Hashanah, then you, I'm looking at last year to make this year a new year, not the same year, a new year. Whatever was, was, but it's Cheshbon Nefesh, right? We saw it, Mr. Lachishan Perikbet, it's Cheshbon Nefesh, I look back to look forward. I have to learn from my lessons. Only a fool makes the same mistake twice. You have to learn your lessons. So you're allowed to look back if it's in order to build your future. You're not allowed to look back to, to immerse yourself in self-pity and melchi. Just to sit there bemoaning your never situation. Get up and do something! We've got to do that. You have no choice. We have no choice but to get up and do something. I wanted to um, just finish with one point here, which is connected or not connected. It's a Mishnah in Yom, it's also a Mishnah in Talmud. And the Mishnah says that every morning there was a man standing on, on the top area of the Beit Midrash. You can't start the Avod in the Beit Midrash until light has broken. And they used to ask the man in charge there, has the light broken in Hebron? Now for someone who drives on that road, who has the schut to travel every single day, I have to tell you, the sun does not rise in Hebron. The sun rises in Jakob. Hebron is in the south. The sun rises in the east. So I had a problem trying to understand why is the man at the beginning of the Avodin on, on, on every day say the sun has risen in Hebron. And the answer I gave, which is totally Darshani, before you start the Avodin every day, you draw your kach from the roots of the people. Before you start the Avodin in Yerushalayim, understand that it all comes from Hebron. It comes from That's another reason to look to the past. One reason to look to the past is to learn from the past and look forward. And the other is to know your roots, to know where you come from. Yaakov didn't want to be buried in Yisrael because he, he didn't want people going to Uman. Yaakov didn't want thousands of Jews going to Egypt every year to dance at his heaven. So he said, bury me in Hebron. I won't be buried in Hebron. People should come see me in Hebron. But the message that, that I want to leave you with, and totally Rabbi Sachs' message here, is we have to know that in our lives we will fall and we will fail. We have to know in our lives that, that things will be tough. And if we're going to be realistic, we have to know that as we get older, the challenges will become greater. When a little boy is going to, can be a little girl too, the ice cream falls on the floor, right? And it goes smack on the floor, top piece of the ice cream's on the floor. And the kid's crying, screaming. And the, the mature adult comes up to the kid and says, this should be your problem. And the kid looks back and says, it is my problem, idiot. 
So either you buy me uh, another ice cream, or just get out of here. This is my problem. I couldn't care about atomic warfare, about the ozone. I want an ice cream, and I want it now, and now I can't all over my ice cream. This is my problem. It never helps when other people tell you. I remember in the Cuba camp as a kid, when kids used to, they used to throw food, and we used to say to the kids, you know, there are people in Ethiopia who don't have food. So these English kids would say, well, give, it, give this to them. <laughs> give this to them, right? But we don't want it, give this to them. You know, so you tell someone else that this is, this is, imagine other people that are in a, you don't understand, you have to understand. This is the lesson that he's teaching us, we have to understand ourselves. I can't tell you it. But, but as, as we get older in life, the problems become harsher. And the only way we can have a fruitful and fulfilling life is by fighting. It's by getting up and brushing ourselves down and moving forward. It should be the Eloi Nishmat Rabbi Sanz.